Well, hello and welcome to the Liberty 4x4 podcast. This is the very first one. I hope uh, everybody's doing well out there and whatever times you're dealing with and, you know, whether you're building the buggy or you're just going through and revamping something that you already own or uh, basically doing, I don't know, whatever with 4x4 and hope you are instead of, you know, doing like what a lot of us are doing right now and just working uh, and just, you know, making ends meet and trying to get through the winter and well, I guess winter's almost over, so there are some 4x4 opening up. I don't know if you guys saw the uh, King of the Hammers uh, this year, which is pretty incredible compared to a lot of the other stuff that's not going on right now. Um, but anyway, so this uh, podcast is basically uh, somewhere where we share opinions, thoughts, tech, uh, 4x4 news, just random things based around unibody rigs but not entirely limited to so we are always going to talk about other rigs that are out there because there's many different types of builds and i just i don't i want to make sure that this one definitely touches on the unibody crowd so the zj wj xj uh even the uh, wk uh which is probably as new as we're going to go because there's if you get too much newer then we're really talking some detail and it's not going to be the same as you know something that's workable with a solid axle and you have to do a lot less to it and it's not just a solid axle fact because i know a lot of people are going to uh, a, a independent suspension whether it's front or rear it's just the fact that a lot of those are just not set up to be long travel off-road etc you have to do so much cutting and in order to really get much done with them and to make them really good there's just a lot you have to do i mean you've got to cut away most of the jeep um, you know, Jeep or, or Forerunner or whatever, you know, whatever you're going after that's kind of a, a heavier body style that's not really designed to be cut away. Um, the older vehicles, it's a lot easier to do that too. Say a first gen Taco, uh, a ZJ, even a WJ was not too modern, um, but it's still, you know, within the last 20 years. So basically, uh, this podcast is going to have a few things, you know, we're going to touch on. Hopefully not to drag you out too long and kind of get into things, but we're going to have uh, special guests once in a while, people that are specified in their areas, um, people I've wheeled with, people I will wheel with. You know, of course, there's obviously more people that you're going to wheel with eventually and, you know, kind of want to set up and kind of get things going so we could get in that direction. Um, we're also going to talk about, you know, things that have happened, uh, whether, you know, 4x4 uh, updates, whether, you know, our trips, what we've done, um, we'll probably go over a couple different things, just talk about particular tech things, uh, you know, shocks or tires or suspensions or whatever. Uh, I'm not necessarily an expert in any of these areas, but I do enjoy talking about them, and I will try to have some people in here that, uh, you know, know a little bit about it in their field, and, you know, we'll kind of get into things. We'll have a question area where you can send in questions, uh, probably through the Instagram, which is uh, Bearded Bullfrog Fab uh, at, you know, Instagram. And, um, you know, do a little bit of stuff in there about my builds, uh, the Liberty, the uh, KJ05 Liberty um, has been my latest build. And it is, you know, before you turn away from the podcast, it is not what you think. You need to go check it out. I know it's kind of a trendy thing these days to build those. This is one of the few that is really getting, uh, it's getting a lot more than it probably should have. But, you know, in that light, let's, you know, just kind of, you know, take it with a grain of salt and see what, see what happens. Um, I have also, I am continuing a long, slow process of building a O2WK, 
or sorry, WJ, and it is a limited model with a 4.7. Uh, yes, it has had the valve drop out, and I've had to replace the head. Um, you know, I've done some basic maintenance to it, but it's really, it's a really simple vehicle to work on. And for what it is, I cannot complain. I picked it up for $5,500. Yes, that's a lot, but this was a long time ago. Um, I've had this thing for several, several years now, um, and it has performed flawlessly. Even when it did drop a valve seat, I was still able to drive it drive it home, do all this, and it didn't do a whole lot of damage. It did score the top of the piston just a little, uh, but it's more of just a little mark. You couldn't hard, hardly feel it. It was touching a little bit, but uh, I think it still had enough of whatever it was to keep it from getting too much damage. I didn't go that far in it, don't worry. Uh, it wasn't, you know, really trying to push it. I just had to limp it home, and it did, you know, it did, it, it performed, and I actually was able to drive it back to the shop, which I don't have a shop attached to the house right now, uh, that will be something that we'll get to eventually. Um, you know, just in all that, I had started this whole thing back in the, oh boy, um, early, early, early 2000s. And, you know, a little bit of my history before that, I had built, you know, just my, my original thing in the 90s was building uh, an old 68 Chevy pickup truck. We just, you know, it was a family thing, a couple of us brothers and our stepdad. And we would build, you know, we built a couple of the different uh, inline sixes for that thing. And, you know, maybe we didn't do that great of a job, but, you know, we'd build it, put it in. Hey, it ran, you know, see how long it would run. We had three of them, I think, and we just, you know, build them and put them in and run it. And then, you know, whatever would go around to it. And we learned a little bit about carburetors and we learned all the old school stuff, which, you know, was cool. And of course, you know, little did we know it wasn't going to apply to much what was coming up because everything was, even at that time, was fuel injection. Um, yeah, well, throttle body fuel injection, etc. But still, um, what all we have going on uh, in today's podcast, we have, uh, well, we'll have it in probably, I'm trying to do every podcast to see if I can get all these points in here. Uh, we have, uh, first thing is point to ponder. And point to ponder for this week, or this podcast particularly, I don't know if they'll be weekly, monthly, you know, what they'll be. Uh, but this particular podcast is point to ponder is uh, lift versus tires. Think about that and what you're going to use it for. Um, you know, really, it's just people People put a lift on, you know, what kind of lift do you want to put on there? You know, well, then, then you know, drags into more questions. You know, okay, so we're going to do uh, a, a three-inch lift. You know, just put some pucks in there and probably use the stock control arms and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and, you know, relocate all the track bar and, you know, go into all those little things, you know, your cheap little uh, lift that you'd buy online or something for, you know, maybe four or 500 bucks. And, you know, it's like, well, hey, now I can clear 33s. You know, you had, you know, on your ZJ or your XJ, you you know, you just, you had the little stock 28s on there, or maybe you had the premium 29s, you know, ooh, and you want to put 33s. Well, to be honest, a 33 is not going to fit very well if you don't plan on cutting. Um, so, you know, get into that. We'll have a, probably an entire podcast on that and go into all that detail. Uh, but just something to think about, you know, uh, lift versus tires. Tires, obviously, they're going to keep, you know, more ground clearance, the bigger the tire. And, you know, I, I would just say cutting is your friend if you have a ZJ, WJ, or an XJ. Don't, don't hack it. I mean, you can if you want to, and I've seen plenty of people do it. And it looks rad. I mean, it looks really totally good 
So go ahead and do that if you want to, or you know whatever. Um, other things, uh, what's happened in the 4x4 wheeling world? This is uh, going to be one of our next little pieces of this particular podcast. Uh, what's happening in the wheeling world? We'll probably get a little tune in there eventually, kind of make something spice it up. So what's happening in the wheeling world? We have, coming up here in the next month or so, uh, EJS. And, of course, you know, we've had King of the Hammers just happened. Uh, you know, this is... May or no, sorry, March. We're we're still still in March. Um, so going up the the calendar. Of course, there is the uh, what is that? The area BFE um, race challenge over there that uh, is happening. And you know we'll get through that. And of course, there's quite a few big names out there. If you guys have a chance, go out there and, and go have a look at it. Uh, it's happening down at Area BFE, which is, you know, I wish, I really wish, and this is just me, I wish that it was still open to the general public. You know, of course, there was the private land issue and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, in, in all reality, what it all breaks down to, and what it always breaks down to, is, you know, money. Somebody had this and they had that, and somebody's making money off of it. Well, they're closing it off to all the general public. Well, now you can pay to get in there. But it's not exactly just like a $20 fee. You know, it's... I don't know. It's ridiculous. Um, okay, so that's basically what's happened in the 4x4 wheeling world. It is opening back up. Things are happening. I'm not sure if SEMA is happening this year, etc., uh, which is not really 4x4. It, it's you know more of a ridiculous show, but there are some things there that are really interesting, and it's worth going to if you get a chance. Even if you only plan on doing it once in a lifetime, it is worth going to. I definitely plan on being there. Um, well, we'll see if it happens this year because I have a lot of stuff going on. But that's kind of what's going on. So, and down for the main topic of the day. Um, main topic of the day, we're going to break down to, um, this is something that's kind of, you know, getting into what our podcast is really about. Um, and for today, our main topic is basically digging into uh, unibody structure, uh, which of course a lot of people is like, well, you know, I think they're pretty strong. You know, they put up with a lot and blah blah blah. And I've had mine for years, and you know, whatever. Okay, so getting into the structure of a unibody, has anybody ever really? I mean, I know there's plenty of people in the groups that I know, and you know, of course, back in the mall crawling forum days, and which you know, some of that still exists, and some of us still do stuff on there. Um, get into there, find the tech builds, and find out what people have done to stiffen the unibody or support it. Um, see the damage that has happened to people who have not stiffened the unibody. Or see people that have gotten along just fine without doing anything to the unibody, but also how, I should say, how easy they wheel. Um, you know, some people just, you know, they, they haven't done much to it, but they don't put a big tire on top and a rack and all that stuff to really wreak havoc on the body. They don't smash it through Moab, you know, rocking it through all kinds of different obstacles, etc. You know, ZJ specifically, I mean, getting really into that. The WJ seems to hold up a little better, but it's still a unibody, and it's still not exactly designed for that amount of stress being slapped around on it. And you look on Facebook, oh my God, there's so many people in there that just... They don't put a tire ra- a tire on top with a rack and a, and a jack and a high lift. And I'll be the first to say I did that in the beginning. 
And I mean, I had this really nice rack that I got from a guy that, you know, lived next door or whatever. And he was, you know, moving to a different build. And, and I was like, you know, hey, I can make that work. And I put it up there and I put coolers in it. I put bike uh, connections on it so I could hook up some bikes and put them on there. I had spaces for six bikes on top of my Jeep, plus my rack on the back. Because I used to take people for or uh, four-wheeling to bike trails kind of thing, which is, you know, not really a thing much anymore. You just ride to the trail on your bike. Um, you know, and I still would put some bikes on there on occasion. Um, <laughs> oh boy, yeah the the whole uh, rack thing on top—it's a great idea if you're not wheeling very hard and you're not. I mean, you know, if you're just doing light expedition stuff, fine. I still wouldn't put a lot of weight up there, especially when bouncing around through you know rocky roads. And it's not necessarily hard obstacles that will get it. Obviously, those will take their own toll, but this particular setup will be more uh, stressed, like a rooftop tent or, uh, you know, just tools or supplies. Uh, some people I know, they'll just do a lightweight rack and they'll put a really small unit up there. It'll be well spread and it won't really hurt it that much. They're, they're on 33s and, you know, well, a tire doesn't really hurt it. But then again, a 33-inch tire fits very well on the back of a ZJ. WJ and possibly even an XJ if you lay it down or kind of you know finagle it in there a little bit. Um, so unibody structure, it, it it does over time deteriorate, and this is the main reason that I got rid of my first build. Now my first build, I didn't support the unibody, you know, like I should have. I had the rack on top with the tire and the high lift and the and the shovel and the water jug and the gas can and. Whew, whatever else gets stuff in there, you know, 33s at first, 35s. And then I was like, this is really not good for it because the body was cracking on every flex point. Every flex, I know it's like, what, every flex? Yes, every flex point was getting torn. Like somebody was just ripping it open like a tin can. And so I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with this because I don't really want to cage this thing. It's not worth caging because it's all shredded. I mean, on top of that, I had massive wiring issues with that, but that is the reason I got it. I mean, I got it for free. Uh, my other car, which I was racing, kind of, I guess I was building it to race, was not ready for driving. Um, it was, you know, doing what it was doing. And then, so this, I said this Jeep in a parking lot, and basically it had four mismatched tires, and, you know, a hood was popped, and it was covered in snow, and it was like, well, you know, you know, I wonder what they want for that Jeep or whatever. You know, it's just a 93 ZJ built in the early 92. So it was one of the, I don't know, I think it was like 93rd Jeep off the lot or something like that. It was in the 90s. It was one of the earliest ones ever made. So obviously it had all the troubles that you could possibly add to a vehicle. First year, first gen, first everything. I mean, there was, it was a limited, so it had all the extra bells and whistles, which probably worked great when it was brand new, but had all kinds of issues, um, you know, in later years. So wiring issues, but the unibody structure, which is what we're talking about today, I, I mean, I put bumpers on it. I tried to stiffen them up a little bit by doing that, but in a way it almost made it worse because it stiffened up only a part of it, which made everything else work and flex harder. <sighs> yeah, so there's fish plating and stuff to put on the frame, but talk to anybody that's ever had a ZJ and wheeled it for an amount of time and see if they noticed any cracks or the door not lining up or... You know, the door's not shutting all the way. They're not sealing. You know, you're getting wind noises going down the highway. Um, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, he wheeled his Jeep very, very hard, a WJ. Um, 
and he had sliders, he had stiffeners on the body, on the frame, you know, the, the unibody frame rails, whatever you want to call them. You know, he had all that stuff going for him. And his unibody was so tired after, you know, several years or whatever, so tired that he just, you know, the doors would not line up and the, it was squatting, like the roof was squatting. And the, the, the B pillars were, were pushing out and it was just, you know, not, it was like, well, this is not ideal. Why would I own something that doesn't have a frame? You know, why? Of course, then again, you go into the frame world and try to cage one of those. Exactly. There's a whole bunch of things you have to deal with there. You have to deal with trying to either keep it separate, uh, you know, either tie it into the frame and keep it separate and do an exo uh, cage or, you know, tie it into just the body. You know, with put plating and stuff like that, and then you sandwich the plating and put it just the body. But the problem with doing it at just the body, it wreaks havoc on the you know the the uh, the body mounts and all that. So I mean, it just it's really hard on everything. So, the, so what a lot of people end up doing is they end up just joining the two. You know, they'll make screw points or uh, plated mount points, I should say, um, where it would attach through the body. So if you ever had to replace the body or body mounts or something like that you would actually just unbolt it and then go through the rest of it but the problem with that is that you have to hard mount to the body which is not good and it's not friendly on the highway it takes it sends vibrations everywhere because they're just again they're not really designed for that so unless you change massively change the suspension the more you do all this stuff the more it makes it non-road friendly because it's going to send vibrations through the whole thing noise is going to be amplified so you're going to have to do some kind of a sound matting uh, you know there's just so many different things that happen when you start stiffening a vehicle's body um, and then trying to change suspension to, to match this and doing that so when you're stiffening a unibody frame um, or frame rail whatever you want to call it it's unibody structure when you're trying to really get that to happen um there is a lot that you can put into rows and you know think about what you're going to do and you know putting plating here and there doing some kind of an inside roll cage um you know just many different things you know tying through the unibody plating the frame rails um going onto my page and seeing what i have uh you know for what I've done to the, the KJ right now is quite the structured detail. Um, tying through the unibody, tying to the outside of the unibody, drilling holes, um, matching plates, you know, putting it around the outside and then gusseting and then tying it through the unibody at different points onto a plated frame. Um, just so many different things to tie in and structure of course i'm doing this all from experience and this is not going to be a daily driver there's just no way i mean for one it's on 42s and you know it's four linked front and full hydraulic steering and a lot of stuff that you would not want to have on a daily driver on the highway uh you know or just cruising around so really i need to trailer this thing pretty much everywhere it goes unless it's really local. I mean, it can drive around town and stuff like that, but you don't really want to take it up to 65, 70 miles an hour. It's just not good for it. I mean, it, okay, it will handle. And a lot of people have not had any issues with it, but, you know, safety. 
and in a lot of states it's not legal to have something like that in your vehicle you know they want linkage they want to see things which is funny because a lot of the electric cars that come out now are drive-by-wire they have electric motors per wheel and you know steering is completely disconnected and you know the supposed fail-safes that they have and this kind of stuff yeah you know okay whatever it's it's legal stuff and what they have to deal with and all this kind of thing so dealing with that going through this you plate in the unibody you know some people put oh my god they put armor on the outside of their their unibody their sheet metal okay all right you know go for it do that and then they have to bolt it through of course they have to remove the most of the interior they have to do all these little you know fancy little bolts or nuts or rivets or whatever they're going to do and I was working at a shop one time that there was this uh, XJ that came in and it was so hammered. I mean, hammered. The unibody was twisted. They had run into rocks. I'd pretty much bent every panel on it, dented, you know, severe damage. And, and the back quarters, oh, yeah, not only rusted out, but smashed to bits. And of course, you know, we're cutting out most of what's there and trying to patch and trying to trying to fix it so it was workable. We ended up flat plating the inside um, down because it used to have like these little pockets um, like right inside where behind the tire in the rear quarter. Well, those were no longer pockets. It was just extended floor. And below that was, you know, air. It was outside because everything below that was cut off. Um, so just you know putting this armor on this jeep you know we had to hammer out all these dents and of course it was a nightmare complete nightmare and you know trying to put they wanted screws in it because well they wanted rivets in it initially and i tried to prove to them that this armor that they had was not i mean some guy you know whipped it up in his shop like oh i got i got a plasma cutter i could cut that out for you cut them up some stuff and then put like two bends in it you know one for the body line and then back you know but there was not rounded like the sides of the vehicle. Well, they look pretty flat. Well, they're not flat. They're definitely not flat. They have a radius to them of some sort. So, you know, putting all that together in a book and putting it in and, you know, trying to put this flat plating onto a totally twisted, bent unibody was just insane. Like, why? Why are we doing this? But the shop was, you know, that, you know it was our order. So just put it, just do the work. We ended up using... Uh, little hex head bolts and nuts and put all this stuff together on a thing and ended up bolting it all down <laughs> yeah oh the, yeah the tailgate on those is fiberglass if anybody knows much about XJs especially most of the years they were fiberglass they did have some of the later models they actually had the, the, the metal door uh, rear hatch whatever and it was thousand times better i don't know why they didn't do that from the start you know just stay with the steel door or you know, aluminum or whatever metal they had it out of i think it was steel uh, but fiberglass i mean it was heavy cumbersome it would crack you know all this kind of stuff oh but anyway going through and talking about zj's you know the plating that i did on mine the stuff i the work i've done on xj's and if you guys have any questions you know feel free to add them to the instagram or you know throw them on there uh, you know, I'll go back through some of my posts and see some of the work that I've done on different Jeeps. Um, you know, just kind of piece together and see what you want to do, make out of that. And if you have questions, you know, whether you have a WJ, an XJ, 
a ZJ, a KJ, a, you know, I don't really dabble in the KK, which is the the uh, commander. I don't really do, or that's not, I don't know, whichever it is. Um, but yeah, much past like the the early bottle, early early model um, Liberty. You know, what was it O two through O seven or something like that? Um, you get much past that, and it just starts getting into, like I said earlier, just complicated. There's too much to cut away. You know, you've probably spent too much money on it to start with, and you know, ten years from now, it'll be an older vehicle. You know, I mean, it'd be like a 20-year-old vehicle. So I was like, well, it's not really worth what, uh, you know, you could chop it up a lot easier. Now, when I first got my ZJ, it was, a you know, built in 92, but I got it in, in uh, 2005. So, you know, it was over 20 years old already just right off the bat. Or not 20 years old, sorry. It was, uh, what would that have been? 92... Oh, five. So, so 17 years old. It was nearing the 20-year-old mark. Um, and so I didn't really feel that bad. Of course, I got it for free. The guy was like, well, I'm going to haul it to the junkyard. You know, and I just, I took what I was doing and, you know, fixed up the wiring for what I could fix it up for. I mean, of course, it ran and I had the thing for, oh, man, how long was that? 12, 15 years, something like that? Uh, no, 17 years. And it finally... Not too long ago, I finally took it to the scrapyard. I pulled everything off of it, and it went through several builds. But the the last straw was when I broke the rear axle yet again. I broke that thing. Well, it was a 9-inch that I had built, and I broke the center section out of it. The first time was a stock one. Then I went with a little bit better one and still managed to break that one. Of course, I dropped on it like three times on a massive boulder. And, you know, the Jeep was very capable. The suspension was dialed. The motor was awesome but the electrical was just a nightmare i mean like i said first gen none of the kinks were worked out um you know just not the greatest vehicle to build and do something to and so yeah all in all what i had to build on that one uh you know the unibody structure like i said was really just worn out, ripping in every corner, um, basically just not worth putting a lot of time or money into to try to fix the electrical because it would have yet needed a lot more in structure and cage and, you know, trying to make everything work. Like I said, the suspension was amazing. The motor ran great. You know, transmission was still top notch. I just, you know, everything was well serviced. Um, you know, which is like, well, why did you get rid of it? You know, why would you do that? Just, just fix the wiring. It's not a big of a deal. But on those early model ZJs, especially the Limited, they had so many wires. I mean, they got sensor wires. They have wires for a sensor that tells you that your sensor is bad and indicators. And, you know, they have the little, uh, uh, what do they call that? The VIC, Vehicle Identi- or uh, vehicle Information Center. Uh, but it was the, the intelligent one, you know. And so, you know, there's just too much going on for what you know we needed to get fixed and it was just not worth the money and and, you know and i would have probably done it but you know when the wife says no (laughs) uh, it's no you know she's of course we had many times that it would left us stranded on the trail 
And it wasn't because it wouldn't run. It wasn't because the suspension was broke. It wasn't because, you know, any of that stuff. It was just the annoying, like, oh, good Lord, the, the, the electrical. Some, some electrical something somewhere again. And I, the last biggest electrical issue we had was some random, I don't know what it was, a switch wire or something on top of the transmission. All the way at the very top of the transmission. So it would, there was a connection or something that wasn't good. And I never did really know what it was, but I, fe- I figured out exactly what code I was getting in all this. You know, we had to walk. It left us stranded on the top of a trail in Moab where there was no phone service. You know, not that far away from town, but no phone service. Uh, you know, just because it was just around the peak of something or whatever. So we had to hike up the hill a little bit to get phone service, got online, looked up the codes. Because for some random reason, I did not have my book with me. Uh, which I always carry a Haynes manual, you know, for whatever vehicle I'm really building or getting into. Even if I've totally changed everything about the vehicle, you know, suspension, uh, bumpers, I've removed the doors, you know, I mean, it's got tube doors or any of that kind of stuff. I've done, I'll get a Haynes just because it's, somebody went through that thing and took manufacturer specs, pulled everything apart, took pictures of it, put it back together and basically explained to you what it's supposed to look like. And you know what different trouble codes are and how to troubleshoot certain things. It's a very basic but yet still detailed um, old school kind of manual, which they probably have modern digital versions of it now. Um, you know, just it's a good thing to have in any vehicle that you own, especially if you're one of the kind of people that does any of your own maintenance at all, or you really even care about your vehicle that, like that. Oh, I just take it to a service center. They take it all care of it for me because I'm not particularly vehicle or mechanically inclined is what some people will say. Really, you're not. Why are you trying to fix up a Jeep? Why are you trying to do this? And that's one of the things that kind of gets me about the JK and JL crowd. Uh, you know, the, the big four doors, even the two doors, you know, the modern Jeep. It's such a, a, an iPhone. It's such an app. Because, well, nobody really does their own work to it. Sure, there's a few people that do. But the majority of who owns those things, I'll just take it to a shop. They'll do it. Well, you kind of have to. Because unless you have, especially with a JL, unless you have wicked good diagnostic equipment, it, you know, your computers, you know, you can go through and you can do this and you can change this and you can move that and manipulate this and cut this sensor off and move this I mean I've done it for a shop so I know how much detail is involved in that I am not a fan I don't want to have to deal with that you practically have to have a an uplink somehow what you know whatever it may be when you're even out on the trail because something goes wrong you can't just look at it and be like oh yeah a broken axle shaft I mean, you might think you're broken axle shaft, but you know what's really wrong. It's just acting a certain way. But you know, there's so many different things that could go out with it. Maybe it's just a wheel speed sensor. You know, sometimes you can see a visual repair, but a lot of the times, you know, especially when you start doing upgrades or changing things, I mean, you can't even use your own speedometer, so you end up doing some kind of patching or you're trying to manipulate the system and trying to do this and trying to do that. Older vehicles just work better in that particular retrospect. Uh, you know, the TJ, I, I I would say TJ. Uh, or the JLT, which is also known as the LJ. Um, I would say, and I'm going to venture to say this, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to be bold right here. They were the last real Jeeps. 
you know, okay, so, oh, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are going to, you know, give me flack about that. Oh, you know, you don't, you just, you just don't know. Have you, have you driven a JK? Have you driven one? Well, yes, I have. And they are very similar to the old ones, but they, okay, you know, JK is, is a massive step in a modern direction. A JL is almost not even the same thing. They have very similar shape and they do have, you know, solid axles front and rear, which is impressive because they were talking about going independent. And I'm just glad that they kept the solid axles like they did because, you know, that's, it just makes more sense for a lot of off-road applications. I know a lot of people are going to argue me with that on, you know, oh, you know, you haven't, you don't know anything about the new independent suspension, blah, blah, blah. You can do long travel. You can do blah, blah, blah. Oh, yes, I do know. I do know that. I've seen it. And, and I know it can work incredibly well. But for a lot of applications, especially for your just your daily user, you know, getting a independent suspension to work the same, I mean, the exact same as a solid front axle is just, uh, you have to put 10 times the money into it. Well, I've got money. You know, some people say, I've got money. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> okay. You have money, but can you fix it? Can you do your own repairs on the trail? You know, I mean, okay, well, buy yourself an Ultra 4 car. There you go. You're off and going. Anyway, unibody structure. Sorry, I got off the topic there. Some of that stuff just kind of, you know, it gets in the in the topic and it just wants to stay. Uh, I know unibodies versus frames. You know, I don't really got get into that, but unibody structure and how to keep it safe. Um, you know, the best thing I would say is to tie an internal cage or, or do a kind of a hybrid cage and tie it to your unibody, whether you, you put a plate on and then go to it, or you run through it and go across and then put plates in here and there and then tie into that as well. See, mine, I have so many different ways that it's tied in. Obviously, it ties down to the lower frame that I have channeled and plated and braced, and then I put a, I call it a rock slider. It's really more of just a rocker, um, but it's a two by three, uh, 250 wall, bar of steel basically or bar box steel along the you know the edge where I've cut out the rocker and, and basically I raised it oh I don't know how many inches quite a bit and then it's flat underneath that you know the whole bar and then on the back side of that slants down to the frame with some supports that I've tied the cage uh, in with all that and it runs up the inside through the roof and you know down the front and it connects to that same bar um, rocker and then it goes obviously down the back um, you know down the back to the where the tail light is and then that's all tied in where the bumper would be welded solid you know I mean go go look at my build and you kind of see what I'm talking about um, where the you know this Lady Liberty build uh, you can do the hashtag if you want uh, Lady Liberty KJ um, and yeah I mean it's it's so many different things I've tied in um, just trying to support, and I've got a lot of the ideas online, you know, of course, and I've, it's been kind of a cluster. I've, I was at a shop, uh, working full time at this one shop, and this is where I started the build, so I really got into it, you know, had everything cut, started doing the cage and doing this, and it was going really well, and then the shop closed and, you know, sold a lot of their equipment, so I was kind of sitting here like, well, I guess I can go back to my old welder, which was not as good. And I tried to use it, and of course the shop was, you know, open bay, the one that I was working in then, and 
you know, I was having a lot of gas problems and just different stuff. And it was just, man, it was just such a pain um, trying to get that done. So I moved it over and we got a different shop, um, really more of a private shop than a, a business. But, you know, that said, got a better closed environment. And, you know, I was able to really start getting to work on it again. Of course, I didn't have the good welder that I used to have. I ended up, you know, using a, I have a small uh, Miller auto set. Um, It's a nice little welder. You know, it does the job. I'm not as fond of that, obviously, as the, you know, the old Lincoln we have, the Lincoln 256. I mean, amazing welder. And I would always recommend if somebody's really wanting to get into welding, that's, you know, you need, get a good welder. It's, it's worth every penny. Um, it's worth every dollar, every thousand, you know, and all that. So just getting the right setup, if you're really getting into it, uh, if you have a unibody, you could do what everybody does and just, you know, hammer through and just cut here and chop this and just do it, whatever. Or you could do it really nice. I mean, I, I can't say that I've done the cleanest, you know, most cool build that you've ever seen. You know, it works. It's functional. It is probably over the top with some of the stuff that I've done. I was like, well, I'm going to go simple. (laughs) Yeah, simple. I mean, I've got freaking console coolers that, you know, electric coolers that I have that are, you know, fit in the console so you can keep a cold drink next to you when you're on a hot trail that have a snapping lid. Uh, I put race seats in there. I've done full cage. Of course, I've done a paint scheme on the inside. I've done revamp the entire floor. I've, you know, uh, of course, done axle swap. I have uh, Ford one tons in there. Uh, you know, the 60 Sterling uh, combination, 10 and a half. Um, and, you know, 538 gears, lockers, all that kind of stuff. But the just all that was just extras and such. But getting up and really focus, the whole focus on that build was to get the unibody structure sound. And I was impressed when I got into the KJ, saw the, the structure that that thing had, the way everything was double folded and you know thicker steel, sheet metal, etc. cetera, uh, the way it was pinned, the way it was glued, the way everything was just built, it was amazing. I mean, in comparison to the ZJ, even the WJ was kind of like, and they almost paralleled for a couple of years. You know, of course, 04 was the last of the, the WJ, and the, the KJ went on for a couple of years, uh, but built around the same time, so they had very similar properties. The, the engines are very similar. Not the greatest in fuel, but they're okay. Um, you know, just, just, just very similarities between the WJ and the KJ. Um, building what I was building, getting all the stuff, making sure that I tied in that unibody from the inside, the out, bracing it. And it, uh, don't get me wrong, it is not race ready by any stretch. Well, this KJ will probably never see race. I mean, if it does for some reason, it's a really, uh, you know, redneck style janky race. Um, so just light of all that, um, you know, we're building it. For what we need, our family, you know, to go wheeling in Moab and maybe take it up to, you know, Sand Hollow and Little Moab, all the places in Utah, but also hit the stuff in Western Colorado. Um, Billings Jeep Trail, which is amazing. If you're ever in the Grand Junction area, western side of Colorado, which is only an hour and a half from Moab, 
they have an amazing short Jeep trail. I mean, it really doesn't take very long to get through if you have a fairly well-built rig, but it is incredibly challenging. It's one of the most amazing trails that you could do. Um, you know, it is, it'll put your rig to the test, that's for sure. I've known people on 40s that had to winch through it, you know, in, in a, like several parts of the trail, but it's only about half a mile long. It's pretty impressive. Now they have another trail that's not too far from there called the Connector Trail, um, which is, I think this is all the name that they have for it right now. Um, again, very amazing. They have another one over there. Uh, it's quite a long trail. Well, I, you know, for what it is, it's actually a wash trail. It runs up a wash. It is called 21 Road Jeep Trail, um, which going up a wash changes it, I mean, every time it rains. Sometimes it changes it every, you know, every other weekend when people go through there which is, I guess, common for a lot of trails. But when you have one running up a wash, you have, uh, you know, you think about every time the water goes through there, it moves stuff around. It pushes the log up against this. You know, water pressure is an amazing thing, you know, most powerful thing. So you don't push it over here and push it over there and you create a new trail. So just all that. So that's what our Jeep, basically the KJ, is getting designed to do. But we also have the WJ, which that one I, I do... Okay, so I'm not doing much in the way of structural on that one. So what I am doing um, on that one, or what I did do to that one for structure-wise, is I replaced both rockers, um, which is a common problem on those to rust out because they have, uh, they have ways that water could get in, but not too many water, ways water can get out. So when you have those rocker panels that are just sitting there rusting from the inside out, and of course they fill them with this like expanding foam. Well, it's for, you know, keeping things quiet. Like if you ever hear water splash up against the rockers, well, it doesn't sound, you know, like you're in a cheap car. It's actually, you know, it adds a quality feel to the car or sound and, you know, uh, general ambiance of, you know, being a high quality vehicle. So that one I cut out and I put in a two by six. Um, I believe it was eighth inch. Maybe, maybe it was three sixteenths. So 188 wall uh, steel box. No, it was 188 wall. That's right. Um, and I tied that into the A pillar, the B pillar, the C pillar. You know, tying it into every possible method. And I don't know if I have pictures of that on the Instagram. I, if I didn't, I'll put them up. Uh, just make sure to mention whatever. Um, hashtag blue steel. Uh, WJ. Um, so I did all that, and then I did. Uh, the unibody frame stiffeners on the bottom. Of course, I created my own because I do my own fabrication. And, you know, maybe they're not top notch, but you know, they they definitely work. And I tied in those rocker replacements with some bracing down below to the unibody frame. So the entire base platform of that Jeep is a lot more structurally sound than it used to be. Now, in light of that, I will never put anything heavy on the roof. I have had a few kayaks up there for driving on the highway. You know course it's a great vehicle to go kayaking in um, but other than that it's not had any issues structurally and it's only on 33s it may get 35s eventually in long arms uh, and go up to four inches because it's only three inches right now three inches while well, people are oh, three inches and 33s how'd you do that well I cut the fender rolls out I mean it doesn't look like it but I did because uh, I don't want to you know jacket six inches in the air or more you know just to put you know, a 33-inch tire under it. I'm like, seriously? So, cut the fender rolls out. You know, roll the edge of it in. Heat, you know, heat it up a little bit because that paint, 
when it heats up, it becomes a lot more flexible. You know, obviously there was some spots that cracked and, you know, I saw some bare metal or whatever, but I just got a little, you know, touch-up paint from the, the paint store that matched it and I touched it up and it looked great. Uh, built bumpers, you know, solid steel bumpers to help, again, solidify the Jeep. Tied in very well at many different points. We've winched, I couldn't tell you how many different people out of different places. We've winched ourselves out of snow. We've done a lot of things with that Jeep and not had any structural problems with it. Uh, but again, it doesn't see, you know, you know, six to ten rated trails. It will go through anything we've put it through. And I won't, even to this day, I will not put it through, you know, I won't put it through Billings. I won't put it through, you know, can, uh, what is that trail over there? Pritchett Canyon, you know, some of the hard ones in Moab or some of the higher rated ones. Because it's, it's just not for that. We've got other Jeeps, or, you know, we've got another Jeep to handle that, um, you know, and that's, you know, what we do with it. And again, all depending on what you're doing with it, if you're just going to use it for a hunting rig, then fine, put something on top of it. Don't worry about the structure. I would still worry about the structure a little bit. And instead of putting a roof rack on it, you know, just figure out how to make an organizer inside. You know, you can put your high lift up there. It's not really that heavy. It's not going to do that much. And maybe a shovel. If you've got to have your shovel exposed to the elements, I'd rather have one that fit behind the seat, you know, a short one, because I don't want to carry this giant thing around with a wooden handle that's going to get cracked and broken, you know, sitting in the sun all the time, which is not something you think about when you're starting your four-wheeling career or, or four-wheeling adventures, you know, your lifestyle. Because starting your four-wheeling thing, you're like, oh, I need a shovel. Well, I don't want that inside. I'll put it on the roof. Okay. And you get a roof rack, and then you get this to tie this down. You get this to tie that down. And then over time, eventually, you, f you realize, wow, I've not really used that shovel, and it's, like, pretty much rotted. It's only been up there for a couple of years because the sun hits it, the rain hits it, the snow hits it, you know, whatever salt or, or magnesium chloride or whatever kind of road melts uh, that they put on the road gets on it. I mean, sure, you wash it off like you do your vehicle, but it's not designed to handle. It doesn't have a coating to handle all that stuff uh, like your, your vehicle would. Um, so getting into any kind of unibodies... You know, just don't put so much stuff on the roof. Or if you really got to have stuff on the roof, try to make some kind of a hybrid cage, which there's plenty of people that have done it online. Uh, just get in there and look for the builds. You know, I've done it on my Jeep. I have a hybrid cage on that where it goes inside and out, which is why they call it a hybrid. Uh, you know, not just an XO or just an interior cage, which is, you know, your race cage. It hybrid goes inside and out. Um, and I, you know, there's a little bit of a flat platform on top of mine. Probably shouldn't have done it that way because it definitely, you know, kind of pushed on the roof a little bit. I had to tie the roof back into it because it was pushing down too far and it was creating a puddle. But I wanted a flat platform up there. So if I ever did want to put something up there, you know, like if I wanted to design my own wedge tent or something of that effect, then I could, you know, I could do that because I have the flat platform. But not necessarily 100%, you know, necessary. Um, just something I wanted to do. So, all in all, with that light, that's kind of the basics on the unibody structure, what I, what my thoughts and opinions are. You know, don't put too much weight on the roof. You know, brace it if you are. It, it's a good idea if you're going to go wheeling too hardcore. Then, you know, to put some kind of structural, you know, whether it's, you know, some kind of an interior cage that supports it um, or... 
you know, a hybrid cage that runs through it or touches, you know, here, here and there, braced well, that kind of thing. If you really want to do that, most people, some people, oh, I don't want to put a cage, you know, okay, well, you don't have to put a cage, but if you're going to wheel, a, you know, something harder than a two, you know, well, probably something harder than a four or five, you really want to have something because there's positions, I mean, even on easier trails where people roll. Uh, Black Bear Pass in, in southern southwestern Colorado is one of the most famous rolling uh, trails, and it's you could do it in a stock TJ very easily. I mean, it is not a hard trail. Sure, four wheel drive, four low is a good idea, you know, but you don't have to have that. I did that trail on 33s, and I've done it on 35s. A long arm flex kit is really nice for some of the corners. But you don't need it. It's all about how you drive. I mean, you don't have to build it to extreme, but people have rolled on that trail. Just it happens. You know, whether or not they were great drivers or something, you know, just went a little bit awry, especially like through some of those corners. There, I mean, there's some there's some sketchy to it. Uh, you know, the fact that there's super sharp cutbacks and all this. So putting a cage in your vehicle, you know, sometimes. You'll start watching those videos and be like, man, I really need to put a cage, you know. Other people get along, you know, for 20, 30 years and never have a cage in any vehicle they've ever owned. And they never roll, they never have any issues. Oh, don't say it, won't ever happen to me, you know, all etc. So that is kind of the, what the podcast is going to be basically about. Um, we're going to do a segment somewhere in here uh, from the garage. Of course, this is the first podcast. We really don't have much. Um, it does have, uh, basically going to have a section called from the garage. Uh, it's going to have build updates, listener comments or questions. Um, you know, just some typical blathering going on there. Um, so, uh, one thing I do have build update, or at least where I'm at currently, because there's not really an update from the last one. Um, with my KJ, it is almost, 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 almost ready to roll. I have finally gotten brake lines. Um, I've, you know, got the exhaust put together. Which, holy crap, that was, that was hard. That was one of the toughest things I've done trying to fit that exhaust through there, because I put the upper links on the inside of the frame rail, the unibody frame rails, um, where a lot of people put them on the outside because it is a double triangulated front four link, which flexes amazingly. Which I will post pictures up hopefully shortly of that uh, within the next you know next while and see what the flex is on that uh, you know what all I've done to it um, it is obviously not painted yet the interior and some of the accents have obviously been painted and you'll see that if you go in there again the Instagram is bearded bullfrog fab for fabrication um, and you can check that out I will post links uh, where I can get them and kind of go back and forth uh, to the podcast, to my Instagram, etc., and some of my support that I've had. Uh, not really sponsors, but companies that have worked very well with me. I don't mind throwing their name out once in a while. Um, so yeah, that's basically the podcast, and I know I was kind of rambling for a little bit there, but hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, some of the content that you've listened to. If you have questions or comments, obviously leave them at Bearded Bullfrog Fabrication or Bearded Bullfrog Fab um, Instagram and uh, hopefully we'll get a little bit more into this. We may have a special guest here coming up in the next couple of podcasts, maybe two. 
uh, we got some stuff coming up for you. I hope you enjoyed the listen. And, uh, you know, definitely download and share. Thanks. And thank you for listening to the Liberty 4x4 podcast.